There is no secret formula for better customer service. But there is the all-new service hub from HubSpot, bringing service and support together in one powerful platform so you can deliver the best experiences possible and free up a rep's time with an AI-powered help desk. Also, you can easily support and grow your customer base. Secrets out, everybody. Service Hub is a game changer. Visit HubSpot.com service to learn more. Good morning, everyone. It's Friday, March 31st. I'm Mark Dent, and I'm here with Juliet Bennett-Ryla and Jacob Cohen, and you're listening to The Hustle Daily Show. Today, we got a couple of big stories to talk about. One of them is involving the new cool thing from ByteDance. It's called Lemonade, which sounds delicious. And then secondly, we'll be talking about a new housing concept that is being discussed as dystopian. But first, we have to talk about the news. We're going to start off with Netflix, which has been really getting into video games lately and is reportedly taking the next step. They are supposedly going to launch a feature that would let iOS users use their phones as video game controllers that sync with their TVs. So you could now use your phone to play a game on Netflix. Could be happening in the future. On a more somber note, we do need to talk about some layoffs in tech, which they're still happening. Roku announced that it will lay off another 200 employees this quarter. That happens after laying off 200 last fall. There are also layoffs happening at Electronic Arts. The company has announced a 6% workforce reduction, which is about 800 jobs. And finally, there's some fraud we need to talk about in Florida. A high school principal has resigned after sending $100,000 in school funds to somebody who she believed was Elon Musk. She, by all accounts in the local media, was a really good principal, well-known throughout the community, and she'd been looking for more funding for some STEM programs and had been kind of just broadcasting this pretty widely. A scammer, however, stepped in and conned her out of $100,000 in school district funds. It was supposed to be a $6 million investment that didn't happen, and now she has resigned. So be on the lookout. Mm -hmm. I get so many emails these days, so many text messages that are all scams. Mm -hmm. All right, let's move on now to our top stories. Jacob, there's this new app that's called Lemonade that's going to hit the shelves, if you will, pretty soon. And it it comes from ByteDance, who we all know as TikTok's Chinese-based parent company. And for everyone who's been following the news, you know, ByteDance has been in the news. There have been hearings in Washington just last week. President Joe Biden has said that if ByteDance doesn't sell its shares of TikTok, then the app is basically going to be eliminated here in the United States. But now ByteDance is working on something new. What's going on? What's this app? Yeah, so you're totally right. And just to frame this story, to set this up, It's a really interesting time for ByteDance, especially in D.C., Uh because last week, as you said, we have TikTok CEO Show Chu in Washington being grilled by Congress, confronting this possibility of a TikTok ban. At the same time, now we know, his parent company, ByteDance, was basically recruiting all these new creators to come and join and use and promote their new app called Lemon 8 with the number eight, which is, I guess, supposed to be a play on Lemonade. Right. So it's been asking creators, like people who already have big followings, like on TikTok, I assume? Exactly. Uh The strategy for this rollout is really something else. 
and pretty funny and awkward. But I think first, just what is this app? What is it? (laughs) Basically, imagine if Pinterest and Instagram had a baby. Maybe throw some Canva jeans into that bloodline. And uh, that's what Lemon 8 really is. It's self-described as a hobbyist community, as some familiar TikTok-like UI. For now, you go on, it divides content into categories like fashion, beauty, travel. And as you might expect by the sound of all that, it's ideal creator portrait, uh, according to documents obtained by the New York Times is a 22 to 26-year-old woman in the New York or L.A. area with a focus on fashion or beauty. Okay, so it might be a little bit more niche than TikTok, maybe. Yes, I think for now it's a little more niche, although it is important to remember, you know, Pinterest probably would describe its ideal creator portrait similarly, and they have hundreds of millions of users. Right. Now, according to these documents the New York Times obtained, Lemonade's vision is to build the most inspiring and informative platform to discover, share, and bring ideas to life. You know, before Monday, the app never had even ranked in the top 200 apps in the U.S. It's been available for some time now, but it hasn't really officially rolled out in the United States. And had ByteDance not really publicized it or, or anything like that until just now? They haven't even officially publicized it. They've just been kind of doing this organic promotion, influencer marketing before a public rollout. And it's clearly working because at points this week, it entered the top 10 apps in the United States. It's a big jump. And I believe it's now the number one lifestyle app in the United States on the App Store. And it just has 130 reviews for the app. (laughs) So it shows you how young it is compared to how popular it's becoming. All right, Jacob. So have you tried it out? Have you downloaded it? Yes. So downloaded it earlier today. And I can confirm that I'm most definitely not the intended target audience. Why so? Uh, (laughs) I mean, you're not... You, you don't fit the, the mold that you described earlier, but yeah. Exactly. It's not targeting a young male audience. There's no hmm. like what would be considered stereotypical content for like a Gen Z male on this app. Right. But one thing I want to describe that I think is really funny is the strategy ByteDance has employed to roll this app out and to gain some momentum. Yeah. They've basically been secretly recruiting, incentivizing, paying TikTok creators to use and promote this app. And what's hilarious about their strategy is it appears they gave these creators a literal script to kind of regurgitate in their own personal videos online, which is a very inauthentic, Ah. un-TikTok-like thing to do. Absolutely. And if you go on TikTok and you look up videos about this new app, you'll actually see all these clips where people are saying the exact same line, which is, I found this really cool new app. It's like if Pinterest and Instagram had a baby and you have to go use it because it's so cool cute and cool. Oh, yeah. And so that's <laughs> obviously the description you were using earlier. So I guess everybody is. Exactly. Yeah. So that's how they're trying to build this app. Yeah. So I am definitely not in the uh, demographic for this either. I'm in my 30s and I'm washed. And I think that there are, you know, just too many apps in the game, if you will. Juliet, are you intrigued by this at all? No, not really. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that description that they're having people use just doesn't sound like a differentiator between, frankly, a lot of what we have already. You know, I think that's a good point, but I also think that you could make the argument that apps like Pinterest and Instagram have seen somewhat stalling interest 
and engagement from younger crowds, especially oh, yeah. crowds that are using Definitely. TikTok. And ByteDance may see that as an opportunity yeah. to basically offer the same thing, but for you know a crowd of people that likes ByteDance's apps and TikTok and expand their user base in the US, which probably also could be looked at as a strategy they're trying to employ in terms of the broader prospects of a ban, mm. right? If they have a broader and deeper user base in the US, a ban is probably going to be harder to enact. Yeah, it's tougher to be mean toward ByteDance if it has another app that everybody loves or a lot of <laughs> exactly. Gen Zers love anyway. You're just going to get Gen Z much more mad. <laughs> yes, exactly. Okay, so let's move on to another thing that, frankly, gets a lot of people depressed, housing. Lovely. Just for the last, you know, God knows how many years has just been a struggle. And Juliet, you have started reading and writing about something called Fractional Investments, and Wired had a really good story on it. It's basically where a lot of people end up owning a house. But could you explain a little bit more about what's going on here? Yeah, so this is not necessarily a a new concept, Mm -hmm. um, even to me, but fractional investment is when a bunch of investors buy a bunch of shares of a property and then basically do nothing except collect rental income, which I would say is typical of many landlords today. They pass it off onto a management company and they don't do anything. The difference here is a lot of these startups that have been coming out lately allow you to get in on a property for as little as $100. Okay. The one that Wired was looking at is called Arrived Homes. Uh Sounds very aspirational. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Now, there are other ones that have been around for longer. Fundrise has been around for longer. There are real estate investment trusts. But Arrived Homes, you can get in on a rental home, which is like a single family home or a vacation property for as little as $100. They say they have funded over 240 properties worth $89 million. Wow. They all have really cool names like the Haverhill or the Brookwood. (laughs) The Brookwood is a three-bedroom Atlanta area home that rents for about $1,900 a month and has over a thousand investors. Mm -hmm. So you're looking at a lot of people who own a very small fraction of the house. It's not the same as like four friends go in on a four bedroom house because they can't find anything Mm -hmm. and now they just live in a commune. It's very small. And you put in a hundred bucks and you get a return on investment of of whatever this rental income is or something like that, I, I take it. Right. And obviously there are fees involved and there's a property management company because you're not the one that's going and fixing the plumbing. So of course not. it's hard to say what you actually get out of it. In 2022, Arrive paid out $1.2 million in dividends, it said. But I actually have a little bit of experience with this. Oh. So a while back, I got a press release about a company called Here, which specializes in only vacation rentals. Uh-huh. Now, I am pretty strict in my view that I do not think the houses that you live in full time should be a for-profit market. That's probably like controversial, but... um, (laughs) Well, there's more than a few people who would agree. I just feel like we have reached a point where the average person is rent burdened and we're seeing that play out in a lot of like really awful ways for people. And maybe I say that because I live in Los Angeles, which is in the middle of an affordable housing crisis. But here, it's only vacation rentals. A house that you would not live in full time because it's this beautiful six bedroom house in the middle of the mountains or something. Yeah. So I decided to invest in here and just see what happened. 
Now, I did not invest a lot of money. I invested $200. So that's $100 in two different properties. And that was several months ago. And it told me my first payout would come in February 2023. Mm-hmm. My portfolio value has appreciated to $213.36. And the amount of money that I, as an investor, have made is $1.81. You should retire tomorrow. Yes. <laughs> so what I am saying is it seems like if you are somebody who is going to invest, obviously you're going to get out what you put in. So it is not necessarily like, oh, I have almost no money, but I can be a homeowner. Like you're going to get a $1.81. So yeah, which is like kind of savings account at a local bank kind of interest right there. <laughs> yeah. Basically. So yeah. And it seems like this airbnb of everything. Um, yes. You know, the vacation homes, like you said, at least that's a vacation home. I mean, there is demand to live in a lot of those places, but not quite like there is in like Los Angeles or, or mm-hmm. Manhattan or something like that or Boston. And with the names like the Haverhill, the Oasis, it's like now creeping into home ownership. And I think one thing that you were mentioning earlier is we have a situation where there are so many owners, maybe there's hundreds now uh, for some of these houses, certainly dozens. And there's just like some random property manager. One of the biggest problems that has happened, especially for people with lower incomes, is that when they do need something fixed on their house, it's really hard to get it done because no one really knows who owns it. The property manager is not always accountable. Yeah, absolutely. And now it seems like this company is kind of taking that model and and who knows, it, it might work well in some cases. It's going to be able to grow, I guess, quite a bit more than what we've already seen, I think. Yeah. And I would be curious to know what the experience of living in one of these homes actually is. I personally live in a building where I know who the building owner is because I did a lot of legwork to look it up. But most people who live in my building with me do not know who technically owns this building. We deal with a property management company. They're impossible to get a hold of. A lot of us have really taken on managing the building ourselves. Oh, oh, (laughs) Um, wow. (laughs) And that is something that I feel is common among people that I know. It's like, I can't get this done, so I fixed it myself. I've also heard a lot of negative feedback from people who have stayed in those automated hotels where everything is powered by AI and robots. And that has been a horrible experience. Like there are just some things you can't automate. And I'm just wondering what is the experience of living, actually living in one of these homes where you don't know your landlord, you don't have the mom and pop landlord that lives next door. You have this faceless entity. Uh, What is that like? Well, it's not how I envisioned the American dream, to say the least. And, you know, I think some of these investors, I read a couple of stories where people were talking about their experience. They have, they claim, made a a reasonable amount of money or an amount of money that they're happy with that they hope they can one day turn into a down payment on their own home. But a lot of these investors are people who are doing this because they cannot afford a home, which Mm -hmm. would be their preference. Arrived to have wired about 40% of its investors are renters. And a lot of these houses are in places where investors are snapping up properties. I was reading a study that says in Q1 of 2022, investors bought about 28% of single family homes. That's up 11% year over year. Every single family home an investor buys is a home that a family cannot buy and live in. But in some cities, it was even higher. Atlanta being one of those cities. And that's where a lot of these properties are. Absolutely. Jacob, how are prices in Boston these days? I was talking to some friends that have gotten new lease agreements that have gone up more than 30% year over year. Yeah. And it's kind of like, what do you do when when that happens? But uh, this all reminds me actually of uh, Adam Newman's new companies concocting. And I'm not sure if anyone really knows exactly what that model is. It's a model very similar to WeWork where you all kind of have a communal apartment building that you live in. I think it's one of those things that sounds really nice on paper. Like, oh, I know all my neighbors and we have all these things that we do together. Let's have a barbecue. But, you know, 
that bears out to be seen how it's actually going to work. Yeah. All right, that's going to do it for today. Juliet, Jacob, thank you. And thank all of you listeners for tuning into the Hustle Daily Show. We're a proud part of the HubSpot Podcast Network. Our editor today is Robert Hartwig and our executive producer is Darren Clark. We've got a lot more tech and business coverage in our newsletter. So if you're not subscribed, sign up at thehustle.co slash email and we'll catch you next week. Hey, everybody, I got a great podcast to tell you about. It's called Truth, Lies, and Work. And it's brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. On this show, you can join husband and wife team Alan, Leanne Elliott as they dispel myths, impart wisdom, and answer all your questions about finding, keeping, and motivating great people. They actually just did an episode with John Smith, who is the manager and agent of famous Argentinian soccer player Diego Maradona. He talks about in this episode how he was able to manage the global superstar athlete celebrity that Maradona is and was. It's a great listen. You better get out there and check it out. And you can listen to Truth, Lies, and Work wherever you get your podcasts.